The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to The Art of Impeccable Soul Care, bridging ancient wisdom and modern teachings to raise your vibration and elevate your life. I'm your host, Terry Williams. Let's rise to new heights together on mindbodyspirit.fm. Hey, wherever you are in the world today, I welcome you to another 30 minutes of The Art of Impeccable Soul Care here at mindbodyspirit.fm. I feel like in life we are always recovering from something, even if we are in a place of moving through our addictions or we are just moving through life on that spiral. I feel like we're always recovering from something. And if if you're new to this podcast, I have been in recovery for almost 30 years. And in fact, January of uh, 23, it will be my 30th year. And it hasn't always, thank you, my guest is clapping for me today. Um, it hasn't always been easy. That's for sure. It never is. And if I wasn't recovering from drugs and alcohol, I was recovering from something else, even you know physical ailments, that kind of thing, which is why I say we're always recovering from something. My guest today, Stephen Washington of the StephenWashingtonExperience.com, not only has beautiful courses and offerings on his website and through his work in the world, has come out with a new book, Recovering You. Soul Care, my language, and <laughs> Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. So we're going to dive into that today. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you so much. What a beautiful, beautiful introduction, Terry. Thank you so much for being you and doing what you do in the world. Uh, I love what you said about we're all in recovery. We're all recovering from something. I always think of recovering a recovery as just change, change, yeah. transformation. And that applies to all of us. That applies to all of us. That is a beautiful way to put it. And I, in the beginning of your book, you have uh, accolades from so many people, many of whom I have communicated with over the last you know, 13 years. And so many of them talked about how your work can benefit 
wherever you are on the path. And certainly the last two and a half years, we have all been in this roller coaster of stress. And I feel like the timing of your book could not be more impeccable because we need tools. We need tools to help us. And I know that you have been dealing and working and healing on your own path. So let's give the listeners a little bit about that, you know, a little bit about your initial introduction to recovering and working through substances and alcohol and everything sure. else. Sure. Sure. Thank you. I guess how I will express this to you and your audience is by doing what we normally do in, in, in 12 step meetings as we talk about what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. So yeah. what it was like was that I came, I grew up in a very small family, just my mom, my sister, uh, my father, and my parents dealt with a lot of trauma in their lives and didn't have tools to manage it. And the yeah. things that they gravitated towards were alcohol and cigarettes and, and, and the extended family drugs too. So there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of um, brokenness. And so for me being a sensitive child that I was, and I'm still a very sensitive adult, it was very difficult for me to navigate that. Um, you, you add on top of that, being a young black man, a black person in America, you add on top of that being gay. Yeah. And then also being an artist, I was just felt like I was always very different. And so, and I had difficulty being in my own skin. And before alcohol and drugs came on the scene, I would check out in other ways, whether that was um, biting my nails or overeating or other things. So by the time I had my first drink, I was about 15 years old. I was a I was studying dance with a teacher in Connecticut who offered me a scholarship. And one summer she took myself and, and every other student that were part, was part of her group to Europe, to Germany for a summer to dance and to travel. And it was amazing. And on the very last night we had a party and the party included beer and wine. And I had my first beer in a, in a metal uh, Pilsner cup and I'll never forget the taste but more importantly, I'll never forget how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. It made me feel calm. It made me feel like I could breathe as if I'd been holding my breath up until that moment. It made me able to connect with other people because in, in, I am at my nature a introvert with some extroverted tendencies, thank goodness. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able, wouldn't be able to be here to talk to you like I am right now. <laughs> Yeah. And it made me feel smart and all those things. And it just, it made me feel good. And it made me feel like I could be in the world. Like I imagine everyone else was in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I chased that for years, for years, that same feeling. Uh, I, I eventually moved to New York and studied dance at NYU And I was using, at that time, I was using alcohol and drugs to help me manage that experience. Uh, Dance was something that was a gift for me. I think it helped keep me alive for a long time. Um, But being in that college experience, it was very difficult for me. And I ended up actually flunking out after three years 
but alcohol and drugs were with me the whole way. And I basically went through my life and my career as a dancer in New York with very little consequence, but it all came to a head once I scored a job in The Lion King and I uh, moved to Canada to, to do that show. And things started to spiral out of control then between my alcohol use and my cocaine use and marijuana smoking and everything. And I got to a point where I couldn't get through a day without doing something. And it was my solution for a really long time, but it impacted my, my relationships. Some of my rela- closest relationships were falling apart all around me. I was pulling away from my loved ones. I was kind of disappearing. I call them disappearing acts. I would do disappearing mm-hmm. acts for people, uh, with people. And um, I was I had the most incredible job in the world that I'd ever had, and I didn't have a cent to to show for it because I was wasting all my money on on my using. Mm-hmm. And um, and probably one of my darkest days was I remember I was I was having a voice lesson with a teacher that I had lovely woman. She was about five feet tall, bleach blonde hair, about 65, 70 years old, used to be an opera singer, um, really a character. But I'll never forget, I was singing with her in a session in her apartment in New York City. And all of a sudden, my nose started to bleed. And of course, it's bleeding because I'm, I'm shoving cocaine up my nose over and over and over again. And I had to run to the bathroom. And I was mortified that that had happened. And for a normal person, that would happen and you would think, oh, gosh, I should never do that again. But of course, I kept doing it over and over and over again. Right. But what what happened for me was I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. When I would look in the mirror during that period of my life, I, I didn't recognize who I was seeing, who I'd see in mm-hmm. my reflection. And I would wake up in the morning and sometimes feel bad that I woke up at all. So by the time I... I found myself willing to try something new. Um, I, I, I think I was kind of like how they say oftentimes in recovery that you just, you're, you, you come to recovery because it's the last house on the block. Yeah. There's nowhere else to go. And that's kind of where I felt, how I felt about my life at that point. And it's interesting because when you look at my story, there are a lot of bad and uncomfortable things that happened, but I didn't lose a job because of my addiction. I didn't end up in the hospital because I had overdosed. I didn't end up in psych wards. I didn't end up in jail, things like that. I didn't lose an apartment, but I was miserable and I was miserable enough for me. And it was yeah, getting you- in the way of the quality of my life. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It gets in the way of the quality of your life and you end up losing you, right? You lose, you lose very important, important parts of yourself. You, yes. It's a trade-off. You trade it off. And you don't even realize you're trading it off until it's too late. Right. And I don't think that it there that you can distinguish between what your object of addiction is, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, uh, sex, food, gambling, everything. Gambling, work, even work. Social media. <laughs> Social media, right? Today, that's the big thing. Social mm-hmm. media. So I know from what I've read that, you know, you, you started the path of recovery and you kind of went back and forth about what you wanted to do 
kind of with your life and you went into Chinese medicine and, you know, then decided that wasn't exactly what you wanted to do either. And something I want to say is earlier you mentioned that you, uh, you dropped out of dance, you know, after three years, I think you used the word fail and, Mm -hmm. I don't look at it as a failure because I'm so glad that you're here at this point and that you took those paths. So I just wanted to give you that fist bump because oh, what a beautiful place to be. Yeah. Thank you for saying that out loud. That's how I feel about it. I feel yeah. exactly the way you feel about it. Sometimes I can, I use the word fail, but I don't think of anything as a failure because there's always an opportunity to learn something. Yeah. Uh, that, that we wouldn't have learned if we hadn't gone through that experience. It's, 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 it's like this attachment or this over-attachment to a certain outcome that we wanted at the beginning of that journey. And then mm-hmm. it takes another turn and it's just letting, letting go of that idea of that specific outcome that we wanted. So it's great for me to, to express that and for the audience to have that reminder. So if you think like you failed something in your life, you didn't. Right. <laughs> you Somewhere didn't. down the road, you're going to realize that it was really an opportunity, right, to right. to be where you are today. So thank you for hearing me on that because I really wanted to give that to you. So then you, you ended up embracing that aspect of yourself that is movement and mm-hmm. how could you get creative with it, right? So mm-hmm. let's talk about that a little bit. You know, how did you go from, let's give the listeners, how did you go from Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, to the element of movement and Qigong? Mm. Well, uh, first I have to say that I've been moving my body since the day I was born. Uh, Mm. I was doing energy medicine with my body before I knew what the heck that was, because dancing, like Mm. I said earlier, saved my life. Yeah. Once I stopped dancing, I found myself in the Pilates world and I wanted to do something else. I wanted to add other things to my toolbox so I can help other people. And then something said, oh, Chinese medicine. I started Chinese medicine school. I thought that was what I wanted to do. And then I got there after really working hard to get there and realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that that was really a difficult time because I you know, you, you, you set up these expectations for yourself and then you tell the world what it is that you're going to do and you do it with so much pride and then you want to change your mind. And there's some little voice inside that says, oh, but you can't change your mind, which is ridiculous. Of course, you can always change your mind. So Qigong was a part of the curriculum in Chinese medicine school. And when it entered my life, I was, like I said, at the most stressful period, I was having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, I uh, couldn't sleep, all these things, because I was so worried about what I was going to do next or mm-hmm. how I was going to handle this. And Qigong was the ultimate blessing because I would walk into those classes and I would learn the, the theory behind it. And then I would have the physical experience of it. And it's just these gentle movements that are coordinated with breath and focused intention and standing postures that you would hold and you would build power in your body and the flowing movements would circulate the energy in your body. And it was just miraculous because it helped me to get out of the past. It helped me stop focusing on the future and it helped me to be really present mm-hmm. in my body at the moment and move energy that was stuck. So stuck energy shows up in the body as tension and pain, but it also shows up as emotional imbalances 
And also overthinking where the mind is just racing, 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 a lot of worry and all. And something about the Qigong, the medicine helped transform me in the, in those moments. And it allowed me to just take in new insights and pay attention to my intuition and figure out what was the next right action for me to take. Mm. And I knew from that moment that it would be something that I would do for the rest of my life for myself. But I also knew it would be something that I could share with other people. And I particularly wanted to share it with people who are in recovery because it was really profound for me. Because at that period of time, I didn't know if I was going to be able to stay sober. I was about 10 years sober. And I, and I felt like I could have relapsed in any moment given how stressed out I was. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. So that set me on the mission to do um, the teaching and the sharing of this information. And one of the ways that I share it is in the book, Recovering You. Mm. It's a beautiful book. I love the teachings within it. And I I really love the passion within you that, that says, I want to help others. I think that that's really a huge key in... Um, successful recovery is helping people in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time somebody asked me that they were in a really big funk and they asked me, what could I do? And I said, help somebody. If you want to get out of your own way, help somebody else. And the mission that you carry with that is so beautiful. So we're going to take just a quick break And when we come back, I want to dive in to the juice of recovering you. So welcome back. Having a conversation with Stephen Washington. You can find all of Stephen's information at the StephenWashingtonExperience.com. And just before the break, we started talking about Stephen's book, Recovering You. Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. And if you're watching the video, you can see the book right behind Stephen. I love your stance. I don't know a lot about Qigong myself. Uh, So let's start with that. Let's talk about Qigong, what it is, and how it can really help people in their lives no matter where they're at, whether it's recovery or just living through the stress that hits us every day. Yes, absolutely. So Qigong is an ancient Chinese healthcare system that combines flowing movements, standing postures, deep breathing, and focused intention to activate, cultivate, and circulate life force energy. And who among us doesn't need more energy? We all could use more energy, but really good, refined quality energy, right? There's a lot of energy in the world that we can easily soak up from others. And a lot of times it's negative energy. So we we are cultivating positive energy within us and releasing things that no longer serve us in the practice of Qigong. Qigong is a, if you break the word down, Qi means energy or breath and Gong means work or skill. So it's a practice of, of becoming more skillful at managing our own energy. And that's something that we could all benefit from for the reasons that I just described, because there's many things in life that 
are draining. That drains our life force energy. And stress is one of the, the main ways in which we drain ourselves of our life force energy. Stress, um, poor diet, lack of movement or exercise, things like that, and worry and stress are, are quite taxing on our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. Now, well, you talk a lot about deep breath, and mm -hmm. I wanted to ask about the importance of deep breath so that the listeners can understand the correlation between the deep breath and the movement. Yes. And so in Qigong, a lot of exercises have certain breath patterns to it, and it just encourages us to slow ourselves down and to breathe deeply and fully. Many of us, even though we breathe all day, every day, very few of us do it well, right? A lot of us hold our breath. Uh, many of us don't really allow the belly to move when we breathe, so that moves the diaphragm. Yeah. And we hold a lot of the energy in the chest, and it creates more tension and tightness in the body. So connecting to your breath in a very intentional way is really important and beneficial. It has an amazing ability to help us to self-soothe and self-regulate ourselves, which is important because, like I've said, stress is impactful. And one of the ways that we can defend ourselves against the harmful effects of stress is by connecting to the breath, taking mm -hmm. slow, deep breaths uh, consciously. And we can tell a lot about how we're feeling by how we're breathing. Agree, 100%. Yeah, 100% there. Um, and, and as someone who has been in recovery for such a long time, I found that I love the teachings of AA and the 12-step recovery program, and yet I needed something more. I needed something more. So I hope that as the audience is listening to this and they're thinking that they need something more. They'll connect with that sense of, of breath because it is essential. We all have to breathe. And the sooner that we can learn to effectively breathe to help calm and soothe and connect and then bring that movement in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and breathing is energizing. Air is the most accessible form of chi that there is. Like mm -hmm. we can go we can go days without eating. We can go quite some time without drinking as well, but we can't go very long without breathing. So it's yeah. really important for us to become uh, a bit more masterful with the way that we breathe because it's such a vital aspect of living. Mm -hmm. And then combine it with the mindful movements. Yeah. Yes. And it allows us to become more present in the moment. And as I said earlier in this interview, it's easy to focus our attention on the past. But the thing is, the past is done. There's nothing we can do about it. But we oftentimes we look back on the past with regret or shame or what have you. Um, and we'll, Or we'll look to the future and there's nothing we can do about the future because it hasn't happened yet. But oftentimes we look towards that with, with worry or mm -hmm. fear. Yeah. But the moving the body mindfully and breathing deeply and paying attention to all that while it's happening brings us into the present moment. And that's where we hold our power. We are most powerful in the present moment. Well, and, and that is the path of addiction. Any addiction is moving away from the present moment and not facing it, right? And right. 
a couple of the things that I found very key within your book were recognizing the triggers, questions that you can ask yourself when you're when you start to feel the desire to go back into your addiction, right? So mm-hmm. you you have questions to ask yourself on those triggers and also questions to ask yourself to move beyond the experience and stay in the present moment. And the illustrations in the movement were phenomenal, especially in the first chapter with the, I think it was the first chapter with the illustrations of how to use your foot for massage and your hands for massage and your ears. Okay. As somebody who practices acupressure, Mm -hmm. the ear is one of my very favorite massages. And I'm constantly telling people, listen, if you do nothing else, just massage your ears. Yes. Right? (laughs) It's my favorite part of a massage. It's like, oh, I can't wait. They start pulling on my ears. (laughs) Yes, please. Yeah. So so Mm -hmm. let's expand on that a little bit. And thank you for including those. I really appreciate that. Really appreciate it. So listeners, check out that piece of it for sure. Yeah, uh, but yeah, let's expand you. upon that a little. And the offering of the toolkit and the meditation and movement included in each chapter is really beautiful. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. At the heart of the book is self-care, right? And most of us don't practice good self-care or we don't do it consistently enough. And consistency is key when it comes to taking care of ourselves. Taking care of ourselves is a full-time job. Yeah. It really, and it requires our attention. And I wanted to provide tools in the book that people could use to help them build a self-care practice if they don't already have one. So they could take what they enjoy most from the book and add it to their own routine and decide when it's going to be most beneficial for them. And Because I spent time, after I left Chinese medicine school, I went to massage school and I fell in love with massage. Mm -hmm. And that was the most incredible experience. I mean, imagine just having massages every day for two years. (laughs) That was a miracle. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to share that. And one of the things that I learned while I was in massage school is that massage is a way to connect people. Mm -hmm. And I talk about how in that one of the earlier chapters about isolation, about how massage is a way to connect people and to break out of isolation. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, if you are able to do the, the techniques that I share in the book, the self-massage, that's another way to rediscover parts of yourself and connect to deeper parts of yourself that you have either feel like you've lost or disconnected from because of stress, because of life, because of mm-hmm. addiction. And it's a way to be kind and compassionate and gentle with yourself and loving. And I thought that was really important to share that because that's something that we could all do. I give you, I give people diagrams of the hands and the feet and the ears in terms of what Chinese medicine says, you know, how it can affect the entire body. But I don't tell people specifically, touch this point, touch that point. I just say intuitively, allow your intuition to guide you through the experience and tend to the parts of your body that need the most attention to you for you in the moment if you stop and you pay attention and Mm -hmm. you listen. 
So that was really important for me to, to share. And I wanted people to walk away from the book with a bunch of tools, whether it's the massage or the deep breathing or the meditation or the simple action steps that they can take that I offer in each chapter as part of the recovery toolbox so that they'll know how to handle fear. They'll, they'll know how to work through isolation. They'll know how to work through their shame. And I love giving people space to write and reflect on their experiences. And it's really a powerful tool to, to journal. It slows the mind down and it allows it allows the person doing it to tap into their own internal wisdom because we all have we all have internal wisdom and intuition. I think many of us run away from it. Yeah. But it's a part of us and we benefit most when we are able to pay attention to it. Mm. And so yeah. Yeah, it's important yeah. to say and acknowledge. And then uh, the movement at the end of each chapter is great because it helps us to integrate all that we've read and discussed and worked on in each chapter to just integrate it into the body because it's easy to just be really heady about things, thinking about things, but we have to bring it down into the body because the body is the foundation for the emotions as well as for the mind and our thoughts and our consciousness. Mm. And I love that you, um, real, two things that you strongly suggested were uh, take what works and leave the rest. And also, um, before you move on to the next chapter, allow yourself time to do all of those things that you said, you know, journal and particularly the movement, because we get so engrossed in the reading and the chapters that it's really important to allow yourself the space to connect with that energy and move and mm -hmm. see even if it feels right for you. Right. Or if you want Absolutely. to, yeah. Or if you want to introduce the next piece, you know, and then take that juicy element that helps you feel more alive, more connected to yourself and to your soul. It's really beautiful. So thank you so much. Okay. Well, we are down to the wire. Oh we my only God. have, I know it goes by so fast. I, I know you know this and it does. It just goes by so fast, especially when you're having a great conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to remind the listeners to visit the stephenwashingtonexperience.com. A lot of the movements that he offers in the book are available on his website in your videos. So um, don't get hung up on, you know, having to read and try to do it because he has them available for you in that space. And Stephen, I love for my guests to leave the listeners with something they can take out into the day right now to uh, practice soul care, to step into or embody a wisdom to help them move through this. What would that be for you? Mm, I would say for each and every person in the, who is in the, in the range of the, who can hear my voice to take some time today to go outside and to be in nature, whether that is going to the park, going to the woods, or even going to the beach, wherever you are, just to be, or going to your yard, 
and just be amongst the plants and the trees and the birds and the sunlight or the moonlight and just take a few deep breaths. Give yourself that really important gift. Give yourself that really important gift. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me, for sharing your wisdom. And uh, listeners, Recovering You, Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction by Stephen Washington. Really, it's moving through life with more joy and connected to your soul. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, this is your host, Terry Williams. Thanks for tuning in to The Art of Impeccable Soul Care, bridging ancient wisdom and modern teachings to raise your vibration and elevate your life. For more information or to work with me, visit soulpractices.com and subscribe to my tribe. You'll be the first to hear about upcoming guests and workshops, free resources, and so much more. Until next time, thanks again. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.